Blog Talk Radio. You could be anywhere in the world this evening, but you're here with me, and as always, I do appreciate that. Uh, tonight's show, we will be joined by Desmond Green and Cody Fister of Titan FC as uh, they talk about their upcoming bouts here at Titan FC 31 here next weekend, uh, next Friday, it is, uh, Halloween night on CBS Sports Network. I uh, will also talk about, um, in preview, UFC 179 is this weekend down in Brazil. I uh, will also preview uh, Bellator 130. This this Friday uh, in the boondocks of Kansas somewhere. I live in Kansas, and I don't even have a clue where this place is. Um, it, it's really off in the, in the wild somewhere. We'll talk that. Uh, we got injuries in the UFC. Uh, we got a, a couple guys getting called up and um, from Titan FC and some alterations to their card for next month, and also a big announcement from the UFC in regards to one of their championship titles. But as always, feel free to give a call in here to the show at area code 718-508-9852. Feel free to tweet me at punch underscore the number two, the face. And as well, um, email me at brandon at punch the face dot com. Um, let's see. Let's, let's start off here with the news of Cain uh, Velasquez is now out of UFC 180 uh, that was here uh, for next month down in Mexico City. So Kane Velasquez is out of uh, out of the card. He's now out with a right meniscus tear. Um, a little bit of clarification was given here by Daniel Cormier during UFC Tonight here this evening. Um, the clarification was that um, Kane had hurt the knee a couple of weeks ago. About He said about five or six weeks ago. Tweaked it. Um, thought it was okay, was going to go ahead and push him and finish the training camp here for the fight. Earlier this week, he was doing some rolling with a, uh, I guess, some kind of master grand wizard of Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, while preparing for his fight with Mauricio Verdum. Um, said it was just a weird angle, but it, nothing that, that seems all out of the norm. Ended up hurting his knee, so he's got a torn right meniscus. He's going to be on the shelf here uh, the rest of the year, so we will not see him again this year. Um, kind of a kind of something that's becoming more the norm, unfortunately, for the UFC. Uh, Injuries and guys getting knocked out and being out for an extended period of time. Um, In Cain Velasquez's case, um, now with him missing about here at UFC 180, um, he hasn't fought since October 19th of last year. So we're literally now going on over a year since he's going to be in action. Uh, We're probably going to be looking at 15 to 16-month range when he actually is healthy to where we will see him back in the UFC cage. Now, with that being stated, you know, he's out, uh, but the card is still going to go on. The card is not canceled. 
unlike other UFCs where they've canceled the Women's Championship Gavin Hurt, uh, the card is still going to go on. Uh, the card is still going to go on with Mark Hunt actually getting the opportunity to step in and fight for Reese Overdoom in an interim championship bout for the heavyweight title. So that's going to be your main event now at UFC 180. It's going to be Mauricio Verdum versus Mark Hunt for the uh, interim heavyweight championship there at uh, UFC 180 down in Mexico. The reason why this is kind of a, a big blow to the UFC, boss, is that this whole event, UFC 180, was going to kind of sit around and be their, their showcase uh, to the, I don't want to say Mexican, I just go with it. So the Mexican media and to the, some more the Spanish media. They pretty much everything on lock down in uh, Brazil and with the Portuguese media in the South American area. So Brazil is somewhere they have established, but they want to get that same establishment in the Hispanic community and with you know Mexico. Um, Mexico has, Mexican you know heritage has great history of uh, boxers who are you know just tough, gritty guys and, and some of the best fighters ever. Uh, have been Mexican fighters. And now they want to hope they can translate that and find that kind of crossover star uh, that Mexico and Mexican heritage fighters have had in boxing and hopefully bring that over to the MMA world and hopefully, you know, do a spin on that and, and help build that uh, for them uh, in the Hispanic community in the MMA area because that's really, no one's really done that on a large level yet of any of the major organizations has uh, really filled that niche uh, with that demographic, with that market. So this was going to be their big crowning achievement for that to really push forward down in that marketplace. Uh, Bruce Verdum and um, Cain Velasquez have been doing uh, Ultimate Fighter uh, Latinos, or things Latino America, uh, excuse me, Latin America, uh, that's been coming on, um, I think it's maybe on one of the Spanish channels down in Mexico as well. I think you can watch it on uh, UFC Fight Pass. So that's been going on. Those two guys have been coaching there. You know, they were building up for that. They're actually going to have a finale as well of that Ultimate Fighter season uh, on the card. I think that's going to be a part of the prelim, uh, for what I'm understanding, a part of the prelim card there uh, for the event. So they were actually going to crown Ultimate Fighter winners there, that same night of the pay-per-view. But now that fight is now scrapped. Instead, it's going to be Mark Hunt. He's coming up with a win, a knockout win over Roy Nelson. Um, before that, he had a five-year candidate against uh, Antonio Silva, which was uh, – Later turned to a no. I think that was almost was turned to a no contest or it because um, uh, Silva ended up getting knocked uh, for PDs afterwards. Uh, and then it was a draw, but you know, great fight. Um, you know, prior to that, he actually had lost to Junior Dos Santos, but he had won four straight before that. So he's got a pretty good resume. You know, minus the Junior Dos Santos loss in the draw against Antonio Silva, uh, he was knocking and beating guys up uh, since in his run here in the UFC. So. Not overly shocked that he gets that opportunity. Not to mention he's doing a very uh, good job of being a, a very uh, friend, fan-friendly fighter. The guys want to see him fighting and compete there uh, on that card. So not too shocked by that. That's, that that kind of makes sense uh, that he's getting that opportunity to fight uh, there on that card. Uh, for Verdun, Verdun's won, um, oh, I mean, Verdun's won quite a few in a row. Uh, since getting back to the UFC, uh, Verdun has now won a uh, four straight here in the UFC. Uh, his last loss actually came to Alistair Overeem, and in his last event, he was uh, fighting at the Strike Force banner. So he's won four straight since being back in the UFC. He had earned this title shot uh, by beating Travis Brown and, and what have you, and, and pretty much 
dismantling and destroying guys in the, in the four straight wins uh, he's had in the UFC. So he's looked good in all four of those fights. So, you know, kind of a tough break for him. You know, he's got a he's still going to fight. He's still going to be able to say he's a UFC heavyweight champion. It's just he'll have to add that interim title to that until he can actually fight uh, Cain Velasquez when Cain Velasquez is actually healthy to fight. But no, folks, that's not the only injury report. Uh, they're part of UFC 180. Uh, unfortunately, there's yet another. So, news broke today that Joe Lozon is now out, also of UFC 180, uh, with a injury. It's undisclosed. Uh, pretty much the, the people who have leaked the information, they don't want to say who they are because they don't want to get in trouble, but they're part of his camp. Uh, that has let that leak that he is injured and he is going to be out also of UFC 180. Now, he was set to actually fight Diego Sanchez uh, there on the card. Um, that was going to be a, on the main card at that. So he's out. There's still uh, no word on if Diego's going to stay on the card. They're going to find a replacement for him. Uh, and actually, this is now uh, another adjustment for Diego Sanchez. Originally on the card, he was supposed to face uh, Norman Park, but Park ended up pulling out um, a couple of weeks ago due to a knee injury. Now, uh, Lozon has gotten hurt, so now he's pulling out of the fight. So it's kind of up in the air who's going to be a part of that card. So a card that was looking stacked and interesting is now slowly but surely getting dismantled. So they've had two injuries and two fighters pull out of the 24-hour span. Definitely not a good look for the UFC. So hopefully they can pull it together and piece things together here for that. But they got some time. Bright side is that signed until November 15th, so they got just a shade of a month to get everything together, find some replacements, do the proper promotion here for the interim title bout. Now, this weekend they do have UFC 179, which is a little bit later in the show. I will get my fight picks for that. Let you know, all you gamblers out there, who you should put money on, uh, who's a safe bet, who's somebody you should stay away from, and as well, if you're uh, doing counter move, uh, fantasy MMA, I'll give you some pointers on who you should add to your team and who you should stay clear of this time around. So we'll get into that a little bit later in the show as well. Uh, we have interviews with Cody Fister and Desmond Green of Titan FC. But again, as always, feel free to tweet me during the show at punch underscore the number two to the face. As well, as give me a call on the show at area code 718-508-9852. So that is going on in the world of the UFC, but they do have another uh, big news that did break here just a little while ago that is now official, uh, a part of UFC 182 that on January 3rd of next year, Ronda Rousey versus Kat Zagano was a done deal. They're going to be your co-feature uh, of that night. That's going to be headlined by John Jones, if he's healthy, versus Daniel Cormier for the light heavyweight championship of the world. So Ronda Kat Zagano, We'll finally face off. Hopefully everyone's 100%, no health, no injuries, no nicks, nicks between now and um, January the 3rd. So that fight is going to go down January the 3rd. Ronda Rousey versus Cad Fangano for the Bantamweight Championship of the World in the women's division. Good look. Um, the fight in itself has awesome written all over it. Should be extremely interesting. I don't see any way that that fight could suck at all, uh, not in the least bit. So I, I'm really looking forward to that fight. I think that's going to be, to date, maybe the, the toughest fight um, Ronda Rousey's had. So, you know, we'll definitely see what she can do 
against Katsangano, and if Katsangano can, you know, avoid that early rush and then, you know, go hard uh, those final rounds that she always seems to do and turn things around and pull out a victory or get a stoppage. So uh, that's the fight I'm definitely looking forward to, and hopefully it can be their last cover here for Bad Culture Radio Network. But, hey, that's some time away, so we'll see how that works out. Uh, let's see what we want to jump into next. Well, all right. Now, with full disclosure, I, I, I kind of maybe slightly jumped the gun on this when it was initially announced. That Kung Lee had failed his drug test um, for human growth hormones after his fight against Michael Bisping here uh, in August over in China. You know, he had came out, he said, I'm not guilty, the tests were flawed, um, just a little bit of everything. You know, he he tried his best to cover himself up, um, you know, say he was clean and what have you, and quite honestly, I didn't believe him. Really still don't believe him now. But um, yesterday, the UFC had actually uh, receded his suspension. Uh, that they had given him for his positive test. Uh, now, the UFC had used a third-party uh, laboratory over in Japan, uh, over in China, uh, to do the testing for them. Uh, every fighter on the card got um, a regular urine sample drug testing, and as well as um, I think four of the fighters on the card got um, blood samples taken. Well. They're saying, you know, Kung Lee was saying from the get-go that he thought that um, the samples were mishandled, um, they were wrong, they were mistested, uh, with there being no athletic commission really over the board and UFC doing it all themselves. Uh, I don't know. It, You know, I, I'm going to say this. After seeing the pics of him before the fight all ripped compared to his fights before and at his age, I still think there's issue with it. But the UFC has pretty much said, oh, my, our fault, we're sorry. Um, here's the first release that they released here uh, yesterday to the public. A UFC fight night account on August 23rd, the UFC contracted an, with an independent drug laboratory in Hong Kong to perform urinalysis testing on all fighters on the car. Additionally, UFC requested laboratory to test blood samples for four fighters for human growth hormones, uh, EOP, and testosterone. One of the athletes had his blood test, it was Kung Lee. The laboratory results from Kung Lee's blood test were sent to UFC and showed his blood had a high total of HGH levels, assuming growth hormones, outside the reference range. Based on such results, the UFC officials determined that Lee had violated the promotions agreement with the UFC fighter conduct policy. Consequently, UFC decided to let Kung Lee, excuse me, UFC let Lee know should be uh, he should be suspended from unarmed combat uh, for the next 12 months. Again, this is a direct quote here from the UFC. This is from their press release. Following the announcement of, of Lee's suspension, UFC officials have been provided with medical evidence regarding the elevated total HGH presented in Lee's sample. In accordance with such medical advice, the UFC has determined that Lee's elevated total HGH by itself does not prove he took performance-enhancing drugs before August 20, before the August 20th they're about. As a result, the UFC has informed Lee that his suspension is rescinded. Lee had requested an appeal of his suspension and was entitled 
to an arbitrary drug test results with and suspension. However, based on the lack of conclusion, conclusiveness laboratory results, the UFC deemed it inappropriate to immediately recite the suspension without need of further proceedings. The UFC organization has always been a leader when it comes to testing performance enhancing drugs in combat sports. All UFC athletes know they are subject to drug testing by an acceptable state athletic commission, international governing uh, international foreign governing federation, or an independent laboratory contracted by the UFC when no regulatory body is overseeing the event. In those cases, when a regulatory oversight is unavailable, UFC voluntarily chooses to adhere to the highest level of health and safety protocols similar to an event if it was held in the state of Nevada. So, in other words, the UFC says, we're sorry, we screwed up. Now, again, Kung Lee getting his suspension lifted, it does nothing. I'm going to just keep it real. If anyone saw that bout he had against Michael Bisping, he got battered and he got beat up. Um, You know, it's still unclear if he's going to continue to fight. Um, I think he wanted to try to clear his name. I think that was the, the most interesting thing. And at his age... I don't know much that he has left. Um, I, I, you know, and that's you know, drugs are no drugs. Conley is not that good. I'm just gonna say it. At 42, he's more concerned with doing movies than actually doing professional fighting. I just don't think he's that good. I don't think he's cut out to really be a top level fighter in the UFC, and whether it be the, the you know middleweight division, light heavyweight division, he's just not. Um, I think he could see this as being more of a platform as a crossover to help him get better movie roles and get paid. But, again, I'm just not – nothing about him am I impressed with. I never have been. Uh, His resume does not impress me. He beat a a old Frank Shamrock who pretty much ended up breaking his arm uh, when Frank was checking the kick. So that's how he ended up winning that fight. Um, He beat a – you know, on the other – he eventually his first loss against Scott Smith – uh, by beating him up, but let's face it, Scott Smith is a, you know, known for being pretty much a punching bag and somewhat of a journeyman at this point in his career and his life. So that's not all that impressive either. Uh, and as far as his USC career goes, I mean, he won a unanimous decision over Patrick Cote. Um, he beat a, a pretty much a, a washed uh, Rich Franklin uh, two years ago. Rich Franklin's a washed fighter. Let's just be honest there as well. So. Just, you know, his resume is not impressive as far as MMA goes. Now, kickboxing is a little bit different, but we're talking MMA. Not impressive. Not impressive at all. So, if he doesn't return back, if you know, if he wants to take his ball and go home uh, and keep doing directed uh, DVD movies, knock himself out. Um, Kung Lee, I don't think MMA really needs you. We won't miss you. Bye. So, you know, whether UFC got this 100% right or not, I don't know. I still do think there is somewhat of a um, – it's got to be somewhat of an asterisk in regards to the test, whether it was taken, you know, the samples were taken wrong or not. I don't know, but, you know, just looking on the outside and looking at him, something doesn't look right about that at all. So he'll say what he wants to. You know, they said that he they took the, the test right after the fight. They took his blood sample, and they said after, I guess, the activity he was doing – 
uh, the, the testosterone in your system and other stuff is going to be elevated. So that would make this uh, test spike. So that's what that was going to be his ground of appealing there. But I do know he also associates with Victor Conti, former um, owner and, and head of uh, Balco, which is known for steroids in, in Major League Baseball and, and other sports and what have you. So I don't trust him as far as I can throw him. So whatever, Kung Lee, go far, far away. I don't think we really care at this point. So that is that. So Kung Lee suspension is lifted, um, but does anybody really care at this point? So there's that. So Kung Lee's now back for whatever that's worth. But uh, somebody else who may be back here soon is Anthony Rumble Johnson. Now, as you know, all know, UFC pretty much um, got spooked by some domestic violence accusations against Anthony Rumble Johnson. It actually happened some time ago. It wasn't even actually this year. Um, then after a story that came out, I want to say it was a bloody elbow, I had interviewed his mother um, of his children, uh, said she was uh, you know, assaulted a couple of years back. He stole a dog from her recently, very, very uh, verbally aggressive towards her. UFC freaked out, and they pretty much suspended him indefinitely. Uh, pretty much took away his opportunity to fight Alexander Gustafson, which now looks like that may go to Rashad Evans, uh, until they actually got more evidence, um, had their own independent uh, investigator look into the situation. Well, next week he's actually going to have a civil hearing uh, over these charges. So end of next week he's going to have a civil hearing. Uh, I want to say it's in Florida. I think that's where all, everything is going down at. So hopefully he gets some sort of, um, I, I guess, solution or resolution uh, to all these matters. And hopefully if everything goes well, he may get his job back with the UFC. If not, it may also sound like next week uh, the UFC may officially cut him and cut ties with him if the results aren't what they want. So interesting next week uh, for Anthony Rumble Johnson. Wish him the best of luck. You know, at the end of the day, we just want the truth to come out. Uh, if it is something he did in air, you know, you know, make sure he's punished uh, for any crime he did commit. But if there's someone just trying to, you know, pull him down, then definitely uh, bring him back. Let the truth come out. Let the due process handle itself and, you know, let him fight. Let him make a living. So that's that. So he may be coming back here next, back uh, into the fold here in the coming weeks. So uh, that's that, that. So that is the news there on him. And, um, Speaking of court, can't forget this one. So, as you all know, if you've read on backculture.net, and if you haven't been to backculture.net, what is wrong with you? Um, Mayhem Miller, uh, Jason Mayhem Miller, uh, as you read a couple of weeks ago, you know, had a long four-hour standoff uh, in the suburbs of uh, California with these uh, police officers uh, in San Vallejo County, I want to say. Uh, the police officers and the SWAT team before finally, um, you know, after having this window broke and, you know, hours of tweets, finally uh, went went ahead and, and gave himself up after they uh, broke in and broke a window, and he came out. So he came out, you know, he got arrested, um, had uh, all that uh, court hearings and all that. Well, he had another court hearing this week. So Mayhem is out. Um, he's still tweeting. Um, he's not tweeting too much of the specifics in regards to the case, but he is still tweeting. Um, right now he's, you know, facing charges with the uh, the original charges of domestic violence uh, and stalking. 
Uh, he's got these charges now against him for the uh, resisting arrest, uh, uh, unable to, like, not cooperating with the officers. So he's got charges stemming from that. So Mayhem Miller is still in the news, still no news about a fight. But we'll see. I, I do know one time, you know, when Scott Coker first took over Bellator, there was a little bit of interest there. He's probably uh, definitely not going to go back there anytime soon now, given the, the situation that's going on with him. So he is he's out of jail, back to tweeting, uh, still utterly insane. So that is Mayhem Miller there for you. But uh, what can you do? What can you do? We'll talk a little bit more about Bellator here later in the show. They had their fan fest here uh, today in San Diego. I'll give my take on that. And as well as a preview Bellator 130 that goes down here this Friday, headlined by Emmanuel Newton versus Linton, uh, Linton, Linton Vassal. Hope I'm not saying that right. Uh, for the Light Heavyweight Championship. But what we're going to do first is we're actually going to get into our first interview here of the evening. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, Desmond Green of Titan FC. Now, Desmond Green um, is a former Bellator fighter. Now, in his case, they, it, it was weird, man, with, uh, with him. Uh, he ended up getting cut. Um, a little bit after Scott Coker took an over, um, Bella's War. And I talked to him about that and as well how all of that went down and how strange was it that he got cut the way he got cut. Um, very, very eye-opening interview about what was going on with him and how everything has actually worked out in the long run for him uh, since getting released here from uh, Bella's War. He's now signed with Titan FC. Uh, he's going to be the co uh, feature of the night, co-main against Miguel Torres at 145 pounds. Uh, he also talked about that, and I asked him, you know, you know Miguel Torres is one time was looked upon as being the best fighter in the world pound for pound. Um, now Miguel Torres is completely falling off the map. So uh, he gives his take on that and, 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 and how to approach a fight like that. But a very interesting and provoking interview here with Desmond Green. So, Again, here is my interview with Desmond Green of Titan FC, which you can, you can see him next week on CBS Sports Network. So, Desmond Green here of Titan FC. All right, we're here with Punch to the Face Radio here with Desmond Green. Uh, he's going to be part of the co-main event, co-headline of Titan FC 31 here on October 31st, live on CBS Sports Network. Desmond, man, how you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Uh, just got done sparring earlier. About to head to the gym in a little bit to do some jujitsu tonight. Um, up here training at TriStar. Shit is great up here, man. I'm loving it. Got some uh, good ass working partners. Uh, Faraz, you know the coach. He's a genius here. And getting some work there with cool ass. So I'm just, I'm just ready, focusing up for this fight. It's in uh, three weeks here. Absolutely. Now, uh, TriStar. So you're up. You crossed the border. You're up there in Canada working. Um, you know, as you said, you know, it's it's a different different atmosphere and a you got a lot of other uh, top flight pros up there with that sparring, you know, and that time that you've been up there, what have you kind of seen different or you think you've kind of sharpened up a little bit in your time working with them? Um, just really everything, everything all the way around. Like uh you know, the gym I was at before, uh big shout out to them, you know, um Ultimate Athletics and uh you know, I was up at Ithaca, um, you know, it was uh, Team Bomb Squad. I didn't, you know, they did they did a lot with me. I got a lot of good work in with the coaches like uh, Matt Lee and uh, Ryan Ciotoli. But, you know, as far as, um, you know, getting, um, you know, good other workout partners and, uh, you know, uh, you know, quality training with a set schedule, like up 
cares. This has been like unreal. You know, I care. I, I, I was talking to the coaches. I'm like, you know, this is my first time where I actually been to like, you know, professional gym with you know all professional fighters and this nice uh, training camp with you know um, strict coaches. So my development is just uh, it's kind of going in double time now. I can't wait to show off. Uh, you know what I've been learning and picking up, especially going like you said, there's a lot of high level fighters here. So, you know, going with them, you know, still sharp and still, you know, week after week. We spar twice a week. I feel like I get better after every sparring session, after every jiu-jitsu session, just from the knowledge of, uh, you know, training with these higher-level guys up there. Absolutely. Now, in your case, you're going to be taking on here Miguel Torres. Uh, he's won three straight fights. Um, but, you know, at one time, Miguel was looked upon as being one of the top fighters, if maybe the not top uh, fighter in the world, pound for pound. Then he had a rough, like a really rough streak, and now he's trying to build himself back. You know what, Miguel Torres? Do you think you're going to face here at Titan FC 31? Um, you know that's a good question uh, for him. You know, whatever one he wants to bring is totally up to him. But uh, I know I'm gonna be bringing the best Desmond. So uh, and hopes and always want a good fight. I hope he brings the best Miguel he has. But um, you know, I, I really got a lot of confidence in my training camp. And my skill that, you know, I'm going to go out there and definitely finish this guy. I mean, I think his best bet was probably to try to fight me back when he was having his hot run. Because, you know, right now I'm up and coming. Um, you know, I'm relatively new to first and right now I've got, like, a, a good a good training professional camp where I'm going to be, you know, learning and picking up stuff. So, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm definitely going to be the best I've been in my career, which, you know, just started a couple of years ago, but still says a lot. So, you know, I hope I hope he's ready because you know I'm definitely gonna be bringing it. And I'm looking to finish. I know he is a big name guy, so I kind of want to feed off of that. You know, if I beat him up pretty good, get a finish. You know, if we ever get my name buzzing a little more. Absolutely. And one thing about your career is, you know, you've only been stopped twice, and those were uh, via submission losses. You know, you're an extremely durable guy. Do you think that comes with uh, kind of your heavy wrestling background that you had at University of Buffalo and and in high school wrestling has kind of just made you just you know, just that hard and to where it's going to yeah. take a lot to get you out? Yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely the wrestling grind that I've been through, you know, since high school and college has definitely molded me into my fight. And, and like, the two finishes, um, you know, one of them came uh, when I first started out. Like, I just graduated in 2012. And then, you know, in that year, you know, I graduated. I went, I just turned straight professional pretty much. I had, like, 10 professional fights my first year. Went 9-1. I had lost. I literally, the fight I lost, I fought six days before. And, you know, I was fighting like that. I lost against a jiu-jitsu guy. Got put in the iron bar. Just that was all about experience and knowledge. And then the last one in the finals, um, you know, whoever seen it, I was clearly winning that fight. You know, the guy got caught in a scramble on the ground. That's just another experience thing. And, you know, now me training with, you know, professional fighters, you know, I, I get put in those positions a lot more as a Pokemon I was in, you know, I was dominating everybody. That was only literally that was only me and my my, my coach slash manager Matt Lee and uh one other guy, Darius well two other guys, Darius and uh, these two brothers and Langs who were lighter than me. You know, I really had nobody to spar with and go with to push me and how I do so, you know, I'm definitely gonna be, you know, fully prepared for whatever Miguel has. And like you said, I'm I'm a tough nosed guy anyway, so you know, it's definitely you know, it's definitely gonna be a grind and exciting fight. You know, like you said, though, you've you've only been pro here just a few years, you know. Maybe what is the, the biggest thing that you would tell yourself now, you know, at 25, that you would have told, the you know, the 22-year-old Desmond, 
who was getting into the MMA game, what would you tell yourself then that you know now that would probably have gotten you even further than what you would what you've gotten so far? Um, really, uh, I would tell myself uh, train, training and partner. You know, get good training and good training partners, and really, you know, uh, take up the skill. Like when I first started fighting, you know, I, like I said, I went ten fights in uh, one year. I went nine and one. I wasn't really learning the sport per se. I was just, just trying to fight to get my name out there. You know, now, you know, being a little older and a little bit more knowledgeable, I realize how much important it is to have. You know, some uh, MMA knowledge, you know, on the sport. And on my opponents, like, before I used to never even look up my opponents, I used to just go out there, or whoever it was. You know, I always thought, like, whoever it is, it's not going to change whether I look them up or not. I'm still going to do what I got to do. But, you know, it, it goes on its part with, um, you know, growing and learning, you know. Like, the, my last finals fight, I probably didn't watch any tape on my guy. And, you know, at the gym, I, like, I, I didn't even, I, I got, like, maybe one spar session in, in between just because, you know, I didn't have any good partners and whatnot. I, you know, good one-on-one coaching with uh, my guy, Matt Lee, who was, uh, you know, he was an ex-fighter. But, you know, no real structural training. And, and, you know, now I got that, and, you know, I'm taking it all in. So, uh, definitely, I would just say, you know, the, the training camp is uh, what's most important, you know. Now, one thing you said, you know, about, you know, this opportunity of Titan FC is getting your name out there, but you really gained fame with a lot of us in the, you know, MMA community, especially as journalists, at your time at Bellator. We were all shocked when you got cut and they released you. What in the world happened with that? I mean, did you have any kind of clue or any kind of idea that that was going to happen? Yeah, because no. it was it was shocking us. No, no, no. Yeah, I was I was I was actually blindsided myself. Like, um, you know, last I talked, uh, was with Bijor and he's like, you know, it was a close fight, great fight, we wanna get you back in as soon as possible and then you know, everything happened with him and he stepped down and Scott Coker took over and you know, I was just waiting for them, you know, to tell him, Okay, listen, you know, we got an opportunity for you 'cause you know, like I said, I've been in there, you know, I had three fights with them, you know, when I was just in the finals, you know, they knew my story and whatnot and then next thing you know, I get an email saying that they were gonna release me and at first I was just like, You can't be serious like man, I worked so hard just to, you know, either get you know, get my name out there, you know, I just made it so far and now I gotta like, you know, at the time I didn't have any management or anything. So I was just like, Man, I was gonna just go just back to the grind on some local cards and then I started thinking about it. I'm like, you know, it actually might be a blessing in disguise because I had a I had a my original contract with them was till like, you know, twenty sixteen or whatever. Um, and, you know, it's hard to get out of that Bellator contract. So, you know, this happened, and I got myself with Jeff uh, with Titan, and he introduced me to Alchemist Management, and, um, you know, they're actually not managing me. So, you know, it actually was a blessing in disguise because, you know, now I'm, 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 I'm like a free agent. You know, I'm, uh, I got signed up with Titan. I signed a four-fight contract with them. And you know, I really like Jeff. Jeff's a stand-up guy. And uh, like I said, he introduced me to uh, Alchemist, so now they're managing me. So, you know, they're actually the ones who introduced me to TriStar, which is, uh, you know, exactly what I needed. I was actually going to be, you know, in the process of finding out uh, which gyms I wanted to move to and whatnot. Because, you know, I, I, knew, I knew it was time. I kind of outgrew, you know, my situation, and nobody thought I was going to, you know, I just graduated in 2012, just started fighting at the end of 2012. Nobody thought. You know, within those two years, I was going to be in the Bellator Finals. So, you know, I kind of had to readjust my situation, and everything actually kind of fell in place after, you know, they released me. So, you know, now, you know, my, my goal always was to get to the UFC, and I know 
you better turn to see our necessary friends. So it's gonna be a little harder, but now, you know, I feel like it's a little, it'll be a little better, clearer path. And uh, you know, with Alchemist, you know, they're real uh, popular with the UFC and in the fight world. And uh, Titans, real cool. And I just stand up guy. Me and him got a good relationship. So you know, with all that, and then me being at Chartstar, I think it's only a matter of time. You know, before I actually, you know, I could really, you know, grow now and hopefully get to the UFC. Yeah, I mean, you know, the phrase blessing in disguise definitely fits in your situation. You get released, and then everything kind of falls in shape and in place for you to, with management, with training, and now an opportunity to fight on CBS yeah. Sports Network. So, I mean, it it really sounds like at the end of the day, it worked out to your advantage. Yeah, it actually did. You know, like before, when I was a better like I had no manager. Because uh, I was young, and I was just winning fights. So, you know, it's hard to get good management out there, you know, especially like Alchemist, but, you know, at the time, uh, you know, when Belcher released me, I said that my manager kind of was just basically me, and I had an agreement with Bellator, and then my, my coach, who was an ex-fighter, he was, uh, he was retiring anyway, and he, because he, he knew, he's like, you know, you got to get to a better gym, and he kind of knew where it was headed, so, you know, it actually, <laughs> it all worked out, you know, and I thank God for that one, definitely. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Desmond, uh, make sure you give a shout-out to the sponsors, help you prepare and get ready here for the fight on Halloween night. Yeah, uh, right now, I'm, I'm actually up. I don't even have any sponsors right now. Me and my management team, uh, Optimist, is actually looking for me some sponsors. So a shout-out to whoever wants to sponsor me, you know, uh, get in touch with uh, Scott Cutbert or, you know, or me online. My Instagram is uh, Pedertoon. My Facebook is... Uh, Tune winning is T O O N W I N N I N. Or you can also reach me on Twitter at Predator Tune. That's P R E D A T O R Tune T O O N. Now I'm open for offers, and that's for my fans too. Hit me up. You know, I interact online. Cause uh, you know, I'm open, cool guy. Yeah, absolutely. Sponsors, reach out to him on Twitter, Facebook. Get a hold of Alchemist Management. Sponsor him, and more importantly, not only sponsor him. Pay him. I can't stress that enough with these sponsors. Pay, yeah. pay the guys. <laughs> don't just ask to throw your logo yeah, on the and don't definitely. cut the check. You know, I got, I got two kids. I got a family to support. So, you know, it's, trust me, it's not all going to me. <laughs> I share the wealth. Right on now. I, I've been asking all shout the time. Shout out. And, well, before I, go, before I go, I just want to shout out to my kids, man. Uh, my daughter, Sahelia. You know, I love her to death. She's five. And then I got a son. He's my junior, Desmond Green. Uh, he just turned one in June. I want to shout out to them. Um, my son's mother was my love. I'm, I'm with her right now. My girlfriend, soon to be wife, I want to shout out to her and Omeda. And then my mom, you know, all of them. Love my family. Rochester, really. I got so much support in Rochester, man. It's crazy. I love my town. Uh, that, that, that That's what's up, showing, showing love there to the hometown. Now, with you fighting on Halloween, I've been asking all the Titan FC fighters a part of this card. Uh, are we going to expect any sort of costume from you or anything like that? Are you going to throw out snicker bars to the kids as, you, as you're walking out to the ring, or is it going to be all business? Uh, it'll be all business before and after. I'm all, I'm all for, you know, uh, signing autographs, talking to the kids. But before, you know, I have a mission at hand. You know, that's just to try to finish them and give, you, give my fans an exciting fight, you know. It's all part of the recipe. 
Absolutely. Again, it's going to be Desmond Green, Miguel Torres. That's your co-main event here for Titan FC 31, live on CBS Sports Network, October 31st, a.k.a. Halloween. Uh, Desmond, man, we appreciate you taking our time with us here on Punch to the Face Radio. Uh, best of luck training here in these last couple of weeks leading up here to the fight, and we'll be tuning in to catch you in action. All right, thanks, man. All right, see ya. All right, man, absolutely. Again, thanks for the time. Again, that is Desmond Green there of Titan FC. As you heard him say, which I thought was crazy, you know, he really didn't have uh, established management, uh, really didn't have any a really strong camp that he was training out of. But he, you can see how successful he was underneath the Bellator umbrella, even underneath all of that, you know, minus, uh, you know, a, a, a top-notch camp to work with, minus a manager to help you handle your business with sponsorships and contracts. So him getting released from Bellator is actually, you know, hearing him telling, like he said, it's a blessing in disguise for him because him getting hooked up with, with Alchemist Management, um, him getting hooked up with Titan FC, him getting hooked up uh, with training up there in, in Canada at TriStar. So a lot of small things fell in place, but it can have now a big turnaround for him with all of that happening. So uh, best of luck to Desmond Green here uh, next Friday night. Again, he's going to be taking on Miguel Torres, and that's in the co-main event there on CBS Sports Network next Friday night, uh, live from the um, University of South Florida Sundome. Ooh, fancy. Uh, that's in Tampa, Florida. Uh, good, good time to be in Florida. It's like it's still warm there. It's still sunny. I'm here in the Midwest, and it's cold and miserable. It's starting to get that way at least tonight, cold and miserable. So uh, shout-out to all the fans who will be traveling uh, down to Florida to watch a good live MMA action. So we have another interview still to come here from Titan FC. We'll have Cody Fister uh, as well and talk about his path uh, and how he ended up getting linked up here with Titan FC. Cody was actually a participant on the Ultimate Fighter season, and he talks about his experience with that and how he's learned to grow as a fighter since all of that went down there for him. Uh, we'll get into that here. I mean, we may do that after break. We're actually going to take a short break here, and we'll get that set up so we can hear, uh, hear Cody Fister's interview here with us on Punch the Face Radio. Again, feel free to give a call in here to the show at area code 718-508-9852. Tweet me at punch underscore the number to the face. And as well, you can email me or send me your hate mail, which I still do get, at brandon at punchtotheface.com. So I'm going to take a brief break. I will be back, and uh, we will have our interview with Cody Fister of Titan FC. It's just a public service announcement sponsored by Just Blaze and the good folks at Rockefeller Records. Fellow Americans, it is with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living testament and recollection of history in the making during our generation. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho, H to the O-V. I used to move snowflakes by the O-Z. I guess even back then you can call me CEO of the R-O-C. Fresh out the frying pan into the fire, I be the music man's number one supplier. Flyer than a piece of paper bearing my name. Got the hottest chick in the game wearing my chain. That's right, ho, ho. Not DOC, but similar to them letters, no one could do it better. I check cheddar like a food inspector. My homie Strick told me, dude, finish your breakfast. 
Now, before I finish, let me just say, I did not come here to show out. did not come here to impress you. Because to tell you the truth, when I leave here, I'm gone. And I don't care what you think about me. But just remember, when it hits the fan, brother, whether it's next year, 10 years, 20 years from now, you'll never be able to say that these brothers lied to you, Jack. Bing ain't lie. I done came through the block and everything that's fly. I'm like, check your barrel with bling on. You've got to have some Jay-Z in your life. It makes things a little bit simpler. Makes life run smoother, quite honestly. Uh, again, welcome back here to Punch the Face Radio. I am your host, Brandon Stubbs, um, a.k.a. Punch the Face, a.k.a. Crazy Cowboy Fan, uh, a.k.a. The Believer of Red Sox Nation. You know, right now, uh, I live in the burbs of Kansas City, and as, you know, many listeners know here in the sports world, uh, the World Series is going down as we speak. Uh, the Kansas City Wolves are hosting uh, the San Francisco Giants. Game 2 is here tonight, and I could quite honestly care less. Um, one thing that I've gotten really agitated of, of over the last couple of days here and uh, the last couple of weeks since the playoffs have started, um, I'm getting sick of people saying to me, go Royals, and using hashtags of take the crown. I don't care about your baseball team. I don't. And living here in the city, I know a vast majority of you didn't care about the Royals either until the Royals actually started winning. So I kind of find it to be a joke how everybody's jumping on their bandwagon now. Uh, I wasn't a fan before. I won't become a fan now. So, Wolves fans, um, quite honestly, you get the loser horn. You know, when I lose this series, I just don't like how you're bandwagoning right now. Um, I see this every year with with the Chiefs. Um, This is actually the first time in my life I'm actually being able to see it with the Wolves to this aspect. So, uh, yeah, their whole bandwagoning is just agitating to me. But eh, that's neither here nor there. I just wanted to get that off my chest because, quite honestly, it has annoyed the Jesus out of me over the last couple of weeks. So back to something that's more constructive. Back to MMA. Now, I did an interview with Cody's sister here uh, last week. It was ahead of uh, him fighting on the uh, Titan FC 31 card. Um, but he's now off the card. No, we're not still going to We're still going to air the interview. You know, definitely want to get Cody uh, some love and appreciate him taking our time with us. Now, he was actually set to face uh, Dave Crescane here at Titan FC 31. Um, as far as why he's not on there anymore, I don't know. But uh, when I got the official bout sheet here for next Friday's card, I noticed both those gentlemen were off. So maybe they get pushed back to their November 15th card. And not November 15th is... Um, Oh, heck, I had to pull up the date, but they got Titan FC 32 in November down in, in uh, Georgia, so maybe that fight gets pushed to there, so I don't know, I'll get some clarification from that, but nevertheless, uh, you know, Cody had actually been a part of a, a fought in uh, the Ultimate Fighter and didn't make it into the house here, I want to say the season 15 he was a part of, I didn't make it into the house, but he's definitely grown as a fighter since then, and that's something that uh, you know, he's still relatively young. The guy's only 24, um, but still, uh, you can label him almost as a veteran at this point and in this juncture of what he's done in his career. So uh, definitely shout-out to him uh, for uh, coming on and doing the show. So here is my interview with Cody Fister here of Titan FC. Punch of the Face Radio here. We're joined by Cody Fister, who's going to be a part of Titan FC 31, live on CBS Sports Network here on Halloween night, October 31st. How are you doing this afternoon, Cody? I'm doing very good. How about yourself? Oh, man, no complaints at all, man. Now, you're getting prepared to uh, face veteran uh, 
Dave Crescheme. Uh First off, what is your uh, your early scouting reports and early impressions here of your opponent at Titan FC 31? Uh, from everything that I've seen, you know, he looks like he's a pretty well-rounded fighter. Uh, you know, he's going to be tough, uh, definitely. I don't expect any kind of an easy fight. But uh, with that being said, you know, I just don't really see him being able to beat me in any areas of the fight. I just uh, want to go out there and just kind of dominate him, you know. I really want to look through point on, you know, Dave Crochet. I haven't lost since I was on the Ultimate Fighter, and... Uh, you know, I don't plan on losing again, so I'm going to go out there, you know, prove a point and, you know, hopefully just, you know, go, you know, uh, bring some fireworks, you know, put on a show. Absolutely. Now, one thing about him that he's kind of had the edge over a lot of his opponents here recently is he has a kind of a, a freakishly long reach. Now, as a fighter, is there any way that you, is there any kind of special training you do for that, or is that something to where it's kind of hard to gauge until you actually get into the fight and see how your opponent uses their reach advantage? Uh, you know, I mean, he's got a tough reach, but that's, you know, that's where I would use my wrestling. If he's really getting the, you know, the upper hand on the reach, I'm just going to take him down. So I'll just, you know, use my, my tools against his. Uh, I really don't see his reach being that big of a factor in the fight. Now, in both of you guys' case, man, you're both riding win streaks, and you both have the knack for getting some stoppages. He's got three straight finishes. Uh, two out of your last four have been stoppages. Is there any way that this fight goes the full three rounds, or are you thinking it's going to end in a stoppage? Uh, I mean, I'm sure it's going to end in a stoppage, but who knows, man. Uh, we're both warriors, so shit, maybe this guy can give me a run for my money and take me all three rounds, but uh, I don't see him, you know, making it too far. Now, uh, I plan on, you know, putting them away pretty early, so. Now, now speaking of the finish, you know, what is what goes on in a fighter's mind when, you know, you're about to lock that submission on and you know that you can go for the kill and you're landing those, those last few strikes? What's going through your mind when you're on the brink of finishing an opponent? Uh, what is your mindset as you're throwing in on that submission or you're landing those final blows? It's just kill, 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 you know, finish the fight and get out of there. Uh, <laughs> Knock his ass out, hit him as hard as you can, uh, just, you know, finish it. Don't don't allow it to keep going, you know, finish But if you get the opportunity, take it and get it over with, you know. Just get in and get out as fast as possible with as least amount of damage, you know. I, I, that makes sense. Who wants to get repeatedly smacked around if you don't have to? <laughs> yes, sir. Now, you're relatively young as far as age goes, but not an experience because, I mean, you've been fighting for quite a few years now. Now, what would the 24-year-old Cody to the 20-year-old Cody who is fighting and, and getting into mixed martial arts, what have you learned here in the last, you know, four to five years that you wish you would have known when you first got into mixed martial arts? Uh, definitely, you know, it's about... You know, take good fights, uh, be prepared for every fight. You know, I used to kind of take fights and I want to be completely prepared. Uh, I feel like I'm a much more well-rounded athlete. Uh, just, you know, I wish I could go back and tell myself, uh, you know, watch out for some of the people, you know. Uh, being in this game, I've met some sharks, you know. Uh, I've had some really horrible managers. Uh, I've had some good ones, you know, so just uh, stay away from crappy managers, uh, bad teams and stuff. Just try to get around good people, you know what I mean? 
And is that hard for a young fighter to actually, you know, decipher it and and weed out the bad from the good? Because so often I hear that from fighters who are veterans, um, you know, and even if they're veterans for two or three years, that they said when they first started out, they kind of were pointed in the wrong direction from the wrong people who were just trying to use them. Oh, definitely. The first gym that I ever went to uh, was called the Mac, um, and that gym was a complete joke. Uh, you know, my first professional fight was supposed to be against a guy that was 12-1. and one For, uh, you know, my older manager, like, to even allow that to be an option for me to fight that guy, I would have gotten a fight except for my blood work didn't come in. But uh, for that to be an option, you know, it's just kind of horrible, you know. I wasn't, you know, nowadays, like back then, I thought I was going to kill the guy. But looking at it now that I've been in the sport for a little bit, the guy was a lot more seasoned than me. Than me. He probably would have won the fight. But it's just, you know, you have to have people that guide you in the right direction and help you to make smart choices. Well, well, yeah, and I, I completely understand that. I mean, and I, I got to say from my history of, of dealing with the people at Titan FC, you're making a, a good decision from fighting for them since you're going to be fighting here on here on October 31st. Now, speaking of which, now something I've asked all the Titan FC fighters who are part of this card, you guys are fighting on Halloween night down there in, in uh, Tampa. Um, are we going to expect a Halloween costume out of you in, in a way as you come to the ring ready to fight, or is it going to be all business for you? Oh, it's going to be all business. I'm going to come up, you know, you're going to see a monster come out, but it's going to be, you know, that's going to be me. <laughs> now, and and with that, you know, excuse me, what is the, the opportunity here fighting for Titan FC? As you said, you were part of the Ultimate Fighter. Unfortunately, you didn't make it into the house. Uh, now that you're getting this opportunity with Titan, what do you want to prove to those who might have seen you on the show and doubted your skill level? What do you want to prove on this platform to the naysayers and to the critics of Cody Pfister? I just want to prove, you know, that I'm a legit fighter and that I'm here. Uh, yeah, I'm really looking to make a splash in the MMA, you know, world. Uh, uh, my goal is to get in the top 100 by the end of the year. Right now, uh, on a website called Fight Matrix, they have me at 166. They have uh, Dave Crochet at 134. So I'm looking forward to, like, going and knocking him off of his spot, you know, I want to be the best in the world someday, so my goal is just to get to that number one spot. Absolutely. Now, who are you training with to help you get prepared here for this bout? Are you uh, still down, are you down in Texas working with a team down there? Uh, no, sir, I'm actually in uh, Boulder, Colorado at the moment. I'm training with uh, Easton, so there's a lot of really tough guys here. We have some great coaching, the jiu-jitsu's off the charts. Muay ties off the charts. Uh, you know, I get to go to Denver, mix it up with some UFC guys. So I'm in a really good spot. I feel like this is the best camp I've had. Well, absolutely. Now, um, give a shout-out to the sponsors who help you get prepared here and ready for the fight. Heck, yeah. Give a shout-out to Barry Christie, Bobby Doobie Motors, uh, South Mouth Wings, uh, Corrupt Clothing, um, Nearfall. Uh, also, D&D Mattress, those guys have always helped me out. You know, my family, my friends, uh, gave a shout-out. You know, without God, none of this would be possible. So, you know, just everybody who's helped me out along the way, I really appreciate all them. Absolutely. And where can the fans uh, keep tabs with what's going on with you as you're preparing for the fight? And then afterwards, uh, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. 
Uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm going to be getting an Instagram and a Twitter very soon, so they should be able to follow me on that within the next month or so, but definitely Facebook. All right. Well, absolutely. Well, Cody Fister, we appreciate you taking out here a few moments of your time as you prepare here for Titan FC 31, which, again, is live on CBS Sports Network, October 31st. Uh, best of luck against uh, Dave Crescent. We'll be tuning in. And uh, as you said, the monster's going to come out, but you're just not going to have a mask on. <laughs> yes, sir. Absolutely. Well, again, we appreciate you taking out time, man. You take it easy. Best of luck in training, okay? Thank you. You have a great day. All right. Thank you. All right, again, thank you to my guest there, Cody Fister of Titan FC. Hopefully, like I said, I haven't gotten the official word back why he's now off the card, but hopefully they get him on uh, the card in November. Uh, and come next week's show, we will get a full card breakdown, and I will make my picks here for Titan FC 31. Um, you know, for all my gamblers out there, you know, I, I care about my gamblers. I'm one myself, so got to definitely shout out and make sure that my gamblers are taken care of. Uh, but we will do that here on next week's show. I'll give a breakdown of those and make my fighter pick. So uh, shout out to them. Uh, that card is headlined by Mike Ricci uh, versus, uh, I know I'm going to mention him if his name, uh, Yoshihaka Yoshida. Yeah, close enough. Uh, those two gentlemen are going to be fighting uh, for the uh, lightweight championship there. So they're going to be crowning a new champion there at Titan FC. Um, you know, every month they crank out these cards, and, they, you know, you always have somebody who uh, pops up and becomes a, a star and emerges off of that card. So big shout-out to them. So that is that. Now, uh, let me go ahead and, and talk a little bit of Bellator here. Uh, you know, Bellator, some. I don't know. I want to say they make me scratch my head sometimes, but sometimes I do a little bit. Um, here today in San Diego, they had uh, their fighter uh, fight fest, or excuse me, fan fest um, there in San Diego. Now, on November fifteenth, they're going to have a they're pretty much their their big card and their big finale card of the year. From what I'm understanding, this is it. There's no more here in 2014. And then they're going to map out a little bit more in the coming weeks what they're going to do in 2015. So they had their fan fest today, which was a bit strange on how it all went down and all the faces that were there. So for starters, it was at Dave & Buster's. Now, Dave & Buster's is a sponsor of Bellator. So, okay, makes sense. I get that. But it, it didn't hold that many people. It only holds, held, I think, maybe a 1,000 or so at once as far as the max capacity goes. So it's not like they could have a lot of people inside of the building. So, you know, that was number one. So it really wasn't as much of a, um, you know, like a, a fan fest or an expo like you would have with the UFC or you've seen in other conventions. It was more pretty much just like a walk-in-line you know, get this autograph signed and keep it moving. So, you know, it, it's, it was a good effort for him, you know, good effort for him, but just seemed weird the whole layout of it. So that that's number one. Um, but some of the people there, kind of weird. Now, 
as we said on last week's show, uh, you know, Royce Gracie is now, Royce Gracie, Royce Gracie, happy enunciated, is now an official brand ambassador for Bellator. This is a guy synonymous with MMA, synonymous with the UFC, um, you know, first ever UFC winner, multiple champion, uh, Hall of Famer with them, never fought in Bellator, wasn't a investor in Bellator, nothing to that degree. He's their brand ambassador. Strange all the way around. So that's that. Um, Randy Couture, who only real appearance there on the Bellator was with the television show Fightmaster that failed uh, and that was still was canceled that they never did bring back. So there's that. So he was there. Um, Ken Shambach, who, again, never fought in Bellator. He was there. Uh, King Mulder Wall, who's actually going to be fighting on the card uh, on November 15th, as well as Michael Chandler, were there. Um, you know, they, they, all those gentlemen were there. And I want to say there's a few other current Bellator fighters, all a part of the card, who are part of the card or uh, will be or has recently fought the Bellator out there. Um, but it was just it just seemed so strange. Oh, including T. Ortiz. Can't forget T. Ortiz. Uh, he was there. But it just seemed really strange how that was all set up and how that all went about for Bellator. But they're trying alternative things. They're trying to build that fan base. They're trying to gear up and do different things and think outside the box a little bit and, and know that they're not going to be able to take down the UFC in one swoop. So got to definitely give them credit for that. They're They're really trying... Uh, more of a grassroots approach with their fighters uh, to get them noticed and, and build that fan base and that core fan base uh, with the MMA community. Something else that uh, Scott Coker had actually said in an interview that, um, you know, they're going to do, you know, a couple of mega shows every quarter. So where they're going to be kind of more of a stacked card, kind of what you're seeing here in a couple of weeks with Bellator 131. So they're going to have more stacked cards, you know, once a quarter. Uh, from what I'm understanding, you know, the preliminary idea is having cards, you know, every two weeks, every three weeks uh, for Bellator pretty much going forward to where there's still somewhat of a, you can guarantee when the cards are going to come uh, from them, but they're going to have more time in between shows to kind of build those up, uh, kind of build a buzz about them, uh, and not just back to back to back to where some of these fights fly under the radar. Like kind of like this week, you're going to have your, you know, one of your champions defending himself for the second time uh, in a two-month span, and it's kind of flying under the radar. So, you know, what their next format, what they're going to do with them putting a couple of weeks in between these fights is going to prevent that from happening. So that's one thing Scott Coker had said. As well, another interesting tip that he had said um, with certain markets that he had planned on doing shows at, especially when he does these big shows here uh, once per quarter. Uh, he said St. Louis is a marketplace he's looking at. Uh, he's also looking at um, the, going back to uh, Connecticut. I want to say it was the Mohican Sun. Uh, this pretty much became a, a big place for them to fight at up there in Bellator prior to him taking over. But he wanted to bring into St. Louis. Uh, he also mentioned uh, doing uh, San Jose. You know, that was a former homeless strike force. So obviously he's got connections up there to can make that happen. And San Diego. And he said, you know, pretty much anywhere in the San Diego area, they want to do a show. Uh, because that's going to help build them that Southern California fan base. So, uh, you know, interesting, interesting uh, tidbits from them and, and what they are trying to build towards. Uh, like I said, there will be more details in the coming weeks exactly on what they're going to do. 
with those uh, events come next year and how they're going to actually map those out. Uh, but the, the one thing that he did say is if they're going to do one, what he called a uh, tentpole, which is going to be like the big, you know, the big, a big fight or big card each quarter, but they're going to still have fights, you know, throughout then. So, I, like I said, initially I'm hearing every two to three weeks you're going to have a card and then a big one here at the end of each quarter. So it will be interesting. It will be definitely interesting to see how Bellator works that and what they go forward for on those. But as a whole, with the exception of last week, let, let, me, let me touch on that just a tad bit. Uh, last week's Bellator card. Last week's Bellator card sucked, okay? Let me make no qualms about that. The card sucked. Um, there was some, you know, the, the undercard had some okay fights on them and had um, had a couple of finishes. Uh, the Martin Brown over Brian Corley, that is a knockout-of-the-month candidate, so definitely go to punchtheface.com and look at the knockout-of-the-month candidates. That is one on there, and it is. Pretty doggone vicious, uh, if you ask me. That was one of the maybe the biggest highlights of the night. Excuse me, here I have to get something to drink. Um, that was the biggest highlight of the night. I personally thought um, Martin just completely destroyed it. They he beat the guy's face in. It was pretty pretty interesting. He had him down on the mat, and just boom, boom, boom. It was a wrap. Uh, with his ground and pound. So shout out uh, to Martin Brown of, of Bellator. So that was definitely the the highlight uh, of the night there. But the rest of the card was it was pretty awful. Uh, your main event was uh, Paul Bradley and, and Josh Neer and, and pretty much a lay and pray match. Josh Neer complaining to John uh, McCarthy, the referee after the fight, you know, um, uh, about him not doing stand-ups. Um, after Bradley was on top of him, and, you know, John McCarthy going back to him saying this isn't a kickboxing match. Paul Bradley did what he was supposed to do. He used his wrestling uh, pretty much null and void near striking and, and won the fight. It was not pretty. was not entertaining. Um, and a catchweight bout, uh, Houston Alexander versus Virgil Swicker. Swicker was actually a late replacement uh, for James Thompson, who was hurt. That fight was awful in it being a draw. Um, then the another fight on the undercard. You definitely go to punchtheface.com and see this. Holly Lawson was actually making her MMA debut. Um, she was a a pro boxer. Um, I'm just gonna be honest. I didn't never really heard much of her. In regards to being a pro boxer, I don't really know how good she was. But, you know, it's not really saying much. Um, I don't – I'm trying to throw her in a bus, but, you know, she was, she was making her debut in MMA, you know, on one of the largest platforms you can do in Bellator. I don't think that was probably the smartest decision because she got outworked and got embarrassed um, by her opponent. Her opponent just literally, her opponent literally mocked her. Um, you can actually go to punchtheface.com. There is a, a posting that actually shows a gif of this. Of uh, The title is Who Should Be More Embarrassed? You know, Holly Lawson for letting her opponent bounce around on a pogo stick or for Josette Cotton for actually 
coming in extremely soft. If you actually see these women standing side by side, you see where I'm saying soft uh, at the weigh-in and then climbing around the cage the entire fight. Uh, you know, Kyrie literally at one juncture of the fight in the third round was hopping up and down like like she was on a pogo stick or like she was hyped up on sugar as she was coming towards Lawson. Lawson had no idea what was going on, and that that happened the whole fight. It was a lot of a lot of clowning, a lot of mocking. Maybe a little bit of nervous energy on Cotton's part, but she just definitely showed us different levels uh, to MMA compared to boxing. So wasn't 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 good. And not to mention, she had actually had uh, I think she had twins or triplets uh, months prior, and then was actually fighting again. So yeah, um, thing is, Holly Lawson signed to a multi-fight deal with Bellator, from my understanding. So I have a feeling she's going to be catching up a few more L's. Before it's all said and done, they end up having to make that a catchweight fight. I think those women ended up fighting at uh, 168 pounds. It's crazy uh, for women's fighting. So I think that would take, I don't even know what, I, I, that's just crazy. It's crazy. They almost were fighting at welterweight. I think about that. They were fighting it actually in, in men's boxing and be fighting at super middleweight. There you go. So that is a whole, that, that card was just weird. It was just bad. Um, but also in between, as I spoke on here last week, those breaking news, they actually had a, a three-fight card that actually went down in Las Vegas uh, at the Monster Energy Drink Cup. Uh, Dan Charles ended up winning the unanimous decision over James Wilson, Adrian Herbobaji, but I didn't announce that right. He won a split decision over A.J. Williams. And Gustavo Lopez beat uh, Shane, excuse me, Sean, Cancer via submission via rear naked choke. So they did that there. Um, you know, really no big name fighters, but again, just they're getting the MMA brand out to a different audience. So they did that live at an event that they were, you know, part, you know, one of their sponsors in Monster Energy Drink. You know, perfect, just great thinking, thinking outside of the box. Uh, the fights were uh, fully licensed by the Nevada, Nevada State Athletic Commission. Some legit fights. They were, you know, they weren't exhibitions. These fights counted as gentlemen's record. But again, it gave these fans something else to see. May have actually made new fans by being there. Somebody who was there at that fight card was Rampage Jackson, which is strange because Rampage Jackson was nowhere to be found at the fan fest. And I tweeted out to him asking was he going to be there. Still have not gotten any response. So. You wonder what's up with Bellator and putting Rampage Jackson right now. Seems a bit weird. Seems a bit weird. But uh, let's talk about this Friday's card. This Friday's card uh, goes down live on Spike TV Friday night. Uh, it's going to be uh, emanating from the Kansas Star Arena in Mulvane, Kansas. I live in Kansas, and I honestly got can tell you I have no idea what Mulvane, Kansas is. Um, it's a nice arena. But I honestly have no clue where it's at. Um, and not trying to find it. I'm really not. Uh, so it's, I think it's like like southwest or southeast of Topeka, Kansas, uh, which is still pretty far from me. But I got, I'm not trying to find it. But that's where the park's going to go down, right from the Kansas Star Arena. It's going to be headlined in a middle, a super, and a light heavyweight championship bout uh, between. Emmanuel Williams defending his championship belt against Linton Vassell. Now, again, it's just one of those things to where Emmanuel Newton just pretty much keeps fighting who they put in front of him. And this is one of these instances where 
Uh, Linton is just one of those guys they're putting in front of him now. And Linton's case, he's actually, he's fought well and he's fought very well. Um, he's won three fights in a row in the Cabela's Umbrella. Uh, his last three fights, uh, he signed with him November of last year. Uh, victorious here over Virgil Swicker in July uh, via Rear Naked Choke. Uh, beat Trevor Carlson also via Rear Naked Choke in March. Uh, beat Matt Jones last year in a unanimous decision win. So he's won that. So he's won three fights there in a row uh, under the Bellator. He's actually won uh, nine fights in a row overall. So he's no chump. Now, he's not beating, you know, world beaters in regards to when you're looking at his record. Um, but, you know, he had a rough, kind of a rocky start when he initially started his career over in the UK. Uh, but he's gotten it together. He's really looked good uh, here underneath the Bellator umbrella. So he's getting the opportunity because... There's really, you know, Rampage won the last light heavyweight tournament. Doesn't want to fight Emmanuel because they share a, a, a trainer in Antonio McKee. So he doesn't want to fight him. So he's avoiding that fight. So whatever there. Um, so really, Emmanuel's just been fighting whoever they can find in front of him. And he's doing what he's supposed to do. You know, I can't throw criticism to him because it's unfair. Um, he's doing what he should be doing. He's going out, he's fighting gentlemen, and he's winning fights, and he's doing it at the level he should do it at. So you can't knock him. Now, do you want Bellator to find him some name competition? Do you hope he possibly gets Blast or uh, King Mo? Again, kind of, it's not King Mo again. Um, you know, if it's time to blast, whether it's Tito Ortiz, whether it's Stefan Bonner, will he get an actual, you know, name to face or, you know, convincing Rampage to take the fight? Will they actually find, give him a name uh, to face instead of just random guys? Because anymore it's starting to seem like it's random guys. Uh, last time out, Emmanuel Newton was victorious over Joey Beltran in the third round, be a spinning back fist to defend his belt. Uh, that was just last month. That was just September 12th. So he's already uh, literally a barely a six-week turnaround, he's going to be defending his championship again. And I thought it was a little bit rough in the first round for him uh, to get his timing down and what have you. He said, you know, Beltron, Beltron's legit. Uh, he, he stayed in there and he hung in as much as he could. So kind of a, a weird short turnaround for him to take that fight, but this is his third fight here in 2014, oddly enough. Um, so I don't know. As far as this fight goes, you know, Linton is definitely has – you know, some abilities uh, to get to the ground and get to some missions done. The problem is, Emmanuel Newton is kind of a well-rounded guy, and he's a very gritty guy. It's going to take a lot to get him down. Um, we saw that when he fought King Mo. So he has the skill sets where he's going to make it tough. He's not going to make it a pushover for you to get him down to the ground, for you to rough him up and be able to put in those uh, submission attempts. So, Lynn's going to have to figure out something as far as, uh, you know, working his hands and getting the takedown. Uh, he's kind of a long guy, so, you know, trying to use his reach to his advantage, uh, maybe try to work off a jab to set up the takedown. But he hasn't stopped anyone via punches in, in, in quite a few years. So I don't know. I, I don't know if he really has what it takes there. And really, we see Newton can take a punch. 
Uh, it's going to take a lot to lay Newton down. Uh, he got touched a couple of times by Joey Beltran, but he was able to stand up and keep going. Uh, he's only time he's ever been knocked out was actually in his very first career fight against Brian Embersall, and that was over 10 years ago. So Newton's got he's got a chin on him. It's going to take a lot to lay him out. Um, you know, I'm just going to go with Emmanuel Newton here. I like Newton for the win. I think he's probably going to struggle the first couple of rounds, and kind of it'll kind of almost be like a replay of the Beltron fight. He's going to have to figure out his timing. He's going to have to figure out uh, Litton's range, and going to actually figure that out to get the takedown to to land a spinning kick, to land a spinning strike. Quite honestly, I don't think he's going to have to do it much on the striking part. I think he's going to actually literally use his strength and grind out. Uh, so I like Emmanuel Newton to retain his title, go into next year, and just pretty much he's going to be sitting waiting um, to see what they do with him next. See if they, you never know, if they sign a free agent, if they, um, <laughs> if Alexander Slomenko decides he wants to go to light heavyweight permanently, or who knows. But he's going to be sitting and waiting here until next year, until things. Uh, kind of clear themselves out, and they find a, a distinct number one contender for him. But that's who I like. I like uh, Emmanuel Newton to win there and, and defend his championship belt there at Bellator. Also on the card, um, <laughs> on the card again, they got Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley's actually a part of, uh, he's actually the co-main, as crazy as that sounds, uh, here on the card. Um you know, with Bobby Lashley, it just is what it is. You know, he's got to deal with with Viacom. You know, he's doing the pro wrestling. He's doing the MMA. I can't take him too seriously still. Uh, he's going to be facing Carl Etherton. Again, it's one of those things to where who are they? You know, the, the heavyweight division for Bellator is extremely thin. I think that goes without saying anyone with two eyes um, is very aware of that. So it's not like that's anything new uh, to anyone. So it's a very thin division. Um, You know, for Paul Everton, you know, he's one of those guys, he's from the U.K. I fought a lot of his fights, pretty much all of his fights over in the U.K., except here, um, fought for Bellator last year. So he's not a no. He's a, you know, looks looks the part, you know, muscles, shaved head, tattoos, but he's also 39. So, you know, he knows it's, it's a make-or-break time for him in regards to his career, whether he's going to uh, make any waves doing that, uh, doing it in MMA and making waves here in the States uh, for that. Because, you know, Bobby Lash himself is no spring chicken at age. Um, Bobby's like 36 or 37 himself, so. 38, excuse me. So, you know, he's no spring chicken. You know, both these guys know, you know, this is here for the taking as far as things go. As long as you keep winning, they're going to get an opportunity uh, to actually fight and um, possibly fight for Bellator Heavyweight Championship or so. So, you know, he just fought on September 5th, so he is getting um, a six-week turnaround to fight. He fought Josh Burns, one be a rear naked choke uh, in the second round. Still nothing overly impressive about Bobby Lashley as an MMA fighter. Is he looking better each time out? Sure. 
but that's not saying a hell of a lot. Now, I don't know much about Carl Ellington. I will openly admit that, but I will say this. If he can avoid the takedown, if he can drag Lashley into the third round, he's got a chance. Um, you know, with that being said, I don't know what Carl's um, cardio game is. He's only fought nine career fights to this point. Um, no fights here this year. <sighs> you know, the consistent thinking is Bellator is not going to feed Bobby Lashley someone that can beat him because they're going to try to build him as a star and try to milk off of his name. So I look for Bobby Lashley to win this fight. It'll more than likely be via ground and pound. This was a tough one for the simple fact of I don't know much about his opponent, unfortunately. And with his opponent opponent not fighting at all here in 2014, that makes it even more difficult. So I got Bobby Lashley here. I'm not 100% confident behind that, so I will tell anyone, vote at that one. I vote on that vote. But bet on that one at your own discretion. But I don't know. I, I don't know. It's We'll see what new wrinkle Bobby brings to the table this fight. We'll see. We'll see. I'm just, I'm not 100% convinced still. But, you never know. He could go out and he could shock me here this Friday. Um, a couple of things I want to point out this year on this card that I find to be interesting. Uh, the women's MMA division, uh, really one of the, the main centerpiece of their signing uh, is is going to be here on this card, and that's Marlouz Kunin. Uh, Marlouz is going to be fighting. Uh, she's, uh, I want to say she's going to be uh, the first fight on the televised portion of the card, at least the way that it stacks up. She's going to be taking on Annalisa Bochi. Hopefully I'm not saying that right. Um, you know, for, you know, Annalisa's a former kickboxing champion. She's won some K1 titles over in Europe. Um, you know, so, you know, definitely a, a Muay Thai kickboxing background. Will Marlouz do her thing because she's more known as a grappler. Great submissions. Um, you know, can she do something where she can actually lock in a hold and possibly submit uh, the submit analysis? That would make the most sense. Uh, 15 of her wins in her career came via submission. So she can win fights. Now, the thing is, we haven't seen Marlou Sino for a year. Uh, she ended up returning with um, Invicta FC after her loss here last summer. Uh, July of 2013 against uh, Chris Cyborg, and it was a very brutal fight uh, for her. I was actually live there in the arena when that happened. Did not look good in that fight at all. She seemed very much overmatched. Um, It just seems here as of late, when she steps up in competition, she does seem to to lose. Um, You know, looking at Marlouz's career uh, resume and some of the fights that she's lost, the people she's lost against are, you know, top-flight fighters, you know. Like I said, Chris Cyborg here last year, Misha Tate. Um, she's lost against Cyborg when they fought over in Strike Force. Uh, Roxanne Montefiore, Aaron Tughill. You know, she's, she's fought, like, good fighters and lost against them. So when she stepped up, she struggled. Um, this one won't be a struggle for her. With her fighting someone with a kickboxing background, it's going to be fairly simple. You know, Marlos is actually a naturally strong and, and big woman. Uh, seeing her in person, um, you know, all jokes aside, she could definitely, she could hold of you, uh, get you down, and, and just out-grapple you. So I like her chances here. As long as she doesn't stand up and bang, she should be able to win this one relatively easy. 
uh, quite honestly, you know, her submission game, it's it's one of the best in women's MMA today. I think it's going to be smart for her to actually showcase that. Uh, so I like one of those coon in there. Uh, Dave Jensen versus Rick Hahn is kind of a fight that's flying on the radar. Quite honestly, that should be your co-main event of the night, not Bobby Lashley. Um, Dave Jensen's on a tear. Uh, Dave has actually won now um, like six fights in a row uh, for Bellator uh, since coming over from uh, after the defunct of uh, the uh, WEC. He's won you know six fights. Um, last fight out here last year, you know, that's the thing. Last year uh, he beat Marcin Held, who is um, now champion. So go figure, you know, he, he beat a guy who's champion, and that was his last fight. So he has been on the shelf since then. So he's been injured. He's been on the shelf. Um, big, big opportunity for him to make a, a definite a bang because one would think if Dave Jensen was to win this fight, it would make all the sense in the world to me, quite honestly, that he, you know, he gets an opportunity to fight, uh, you know, pit bull. Now, I would see no reason why he can't completely ignore that uh, at this point. Why not give him that opportunity um, at the lightweight division? You know, him riding the win streak with him having the wins he had prior to injury, you got to give him that opportunity, I would say. Uh, for Rick Hahn, you know, this is going to be his opportunity to get uh, kind of back at it. He's going to be fighting here, uh, dropping down in weight. He's actually going to be fighting back at lightweight. Uh, you know, his previous runs here as of late, uh, at least over the last year and a half, were at the welterweight division where he lost to Douglas Lima. Uh, for the vacant welterweight championship earlier this year, you know he he, he fought the best he could, but just Lima was just on another level that night, uh, and he lost that bout. So he's now dropping back down to lightweight and see what he can get going there. You know he had a good run there at lightweight prior to losing uh, to Michael Chandler, uh, and then he ended up moving up to welterweight, and then he ended up winning the tournament there and losing uh, to Douglas Lima. So you know. It'll be interesting to see how how he looks, you know, the the fluctuating in weight and now going back down to lightweight. Um, You know, I think ring rust is going to be an issue uh, for Jensen, but again, Jensen looked so well in his fights prior to the injury that I'm going to go with Dave Jensen and hope that the ring rust isn't an issue. Hopefully he is now 100% healthy. Um, But we shall see. But I like Dave Jensen there uh, to win and get back in the saddle and pretty much stake his claim for a championship um, bout with Marcin Held here sometime in 2015. Especially if he looks impressive, I think there would be no way they could deny him that fight. Um, also on the card is a you know local guys who are actually from the uh, the Kansas area. Uh, uh, Dave Rickles is going to be fighting in lightweight against uh, Davey Ramos. I think that's going to be one of the first fights of the night. Uh, Joe Wilk, who's also in the local product, He'll be taking on Ricky Musgrave. Also on the card, Nick Jolly's on the card. Uh, he's one of your um, one of your prelim fights that will be streamed on Bellator.com and as well as SpikeTV.com. Uh, so definitely make sure you log in early to catch those bouts because I think the undercard is actually really solid. A lot of featherweights and lightweights featured in the undercard. So that's how that stacks up here for Bellator on Friday. But... Um, you know, that's kind of the, the appetizer, if you will, for, for everyone that's uh, watching MMA this weekend. The the main event is UFC 179. Uh, they will live from Brazil. Uh, that's going to be in um, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, uh, this Saturday. 
headline in the World Championship bout uh, for the Featherweight Championship in a rematch. Jose Aldo versus Chad Mendez. This fight has been pushed back uh, due to uh, Aldo being injured. It's supposed to happen uh, back in August. Didn't end up happening. He ended up getting hurt. Uh, so Mendez, instead of taking a fight, said, screw that. I'll just sit out and wait. So he sat out and wait. Uh, that's the, the biggest – this could be the biggest test uh, for Aldo. And, and let's face it, Aldo has not looked the same. I think I've said, I'm selling a broken record here with Jose, Jose Aldo anymore. I want to say I said this here um, before his battle with Ricardo Ramos, that Jose Aldo hasn't looked like Jose Aldo. Uh, he, he used to be a killer there in the WEC. That killer tendency just doesn't seem to fully be there anymore. Now, he had one flash of that, oddly enough, against Chad Mendes, where he ended up flying me in the first round, ended up uh, as the round was actually ending, and, and won the bout. And that flying me has really resonated with Chad Mendes since then. You know, that's one thing, you know, Mendes has been doing different training. You know, he's obviously working with uh, Dwayne Bain Lundwick and the other guys there, Team Alpha Male, up in Northern California. Uh, since that loss to Aldo, he's won five straight. Uh, four of those just came via finishes. The only one that went to a decision was his last fight, December of last year. Mind you, keep that in mind, December of last year, where he had a unanimous decision went over uh, Nick Lynch. So, eh. I don't know. I don't know. It, it's been a minute since he's fought, so I kind of wonder if he's going to have any ring rust. At least in Aldo's case, Aldo has fought here in 2014. So, you know, I'm going to go with Jose Aldo here for the simple fact of Jose Aldo is going to be fighting in front of his his home country people of Brazil. And him fighting there... He takes pride in that. He takes pride in what he's representing, who he's representing, and, and what it means, the sport of mixed martial arts, to the people of Brazil. He takes that to heart, and that's a real big deal to him. And I, the last time he fought out there, that's actually his last stoppage win, was against uh, Chan Sung Jung, um, who actually had hurting his shoulder in the fight was a TKO win. Now, Aldo was clearly winning the fight, but so that was his last actual stoppage, uh, was here in uh, last uh, August of 2013. But also, it was a very emotional win. If anybody saw that fight, um, you know, he was glad to be out in the crowd and celebrated with the crowd. He did the same thing uh, when he fought and beat Chad Mendez in Brazil in 2012. Um, so it's a big deal for him out there. That's why I'm going to give the edge to Jose Aldo, and I'm picking him to win. Uh, I'm also picking him on my counter moves team. So if anybody does uh, counter moves, definitely this is something uh, you want to have him on your team. I think he's actually going to get a stoppage uh, this time around. I, I think he's he's agitated with a lot of things. I think, you know, he's agitated with his pay. Uh, he said in some recent interviews, I think he's agitated by Chad Mendez and Team Alpha Male saying that they have, um, you know, his camp's card, you know, with them beating Ren and Burrell. So I think it's a lot of that that's kind of gotten underneath Jose Aldo's skin to where we may see him go up back and be having that killer instinct and actually being able to get a finish against Chad Mendez. Um, you know, Aldo's, when he's on, he's a tough guy to beat. 
Because the thing is, can he be on? That's the biggest question. Can he be on and can he fight at a high level? Um, really, the only other interesting fight on the card is a fight for really just calling it what it is. The winner of this fight stays relevant in the 205-pound division. The loser is really not relevant. And there's really no better way of saying that, as bad as it may sound. Um, it's the honest truth. Now, in that, we have Glover Teixeira versus Phil Davis. Both of these guys are coming off losses. Uh, Glover Teixeira's case, he's coming off of a loss uh, in the world championship bout against John Jones. And Phil Davis's case, he's coming off a unanimous decision loss. Anthony Johnson, where he got completely dominated and just got embarrassed uh, in that fight. And, and again, I, I kind of think this is going to happen. The same thing is going to happen again uh, for Phil Davis in the Anthony Johnson fight that's going to happen here in the Global Sheriff fight. He's more likely going to get dominated because I don't know if his head's clearly there. Um, again, here this week, he's already made some comments and talking about John Jones and wanting to beat John Jones. He's fights, tons of fights away from being even on John Jones' radar at this point. Uh, you can't start talking about fighting the champ and how he needs a, uh, an ass-whipping when you just lost your last bout. So don't don't talk about the champion and focus on fighting him when you definitely need to get a W to even be in the conversation. Um, one thing that, you know, the only edge that I give Anthony, excuse me, give Phil Davis uh, in this regard is his wrestling. Now, if he's able to just wrestle and use his strength, he has a chance. He has a legit chance because he's a, a world-class wrestler, um, wrestled in uh, college at Penn State. So we all know he can wrestle. The thing is, I don't believe his striking is going to be up to the par with Glover Teixeira. Glover Teixeira is a very heavy-handed man. Um, he knows how to stuff the takedown. Uh, didn't do it well against John Jones. Uh, actually, strong and striking against John Jones, but some of the sale that's going to be due to the eye poking. That's neither here nor there. But this is going to be an interesting test here for, for both men. Like I said, a loss here, you're irrelevant in the division. Um, a loss here just really puts you down because a win keeps you still in the conversation with Alexander Gustafson being the next guy in line. You have Rashad Evans coming back off of injury. If everything goes well, Anthony Rumble Johnson will be back in that conversation as well for fighting for a title. So, you know, you've got right there, you've got three guys already in the conversation. Uh, they're in the division before we even start talking about you. You still got Shogun who are around. You still got Dan Henderson around, you know. So it, it, it's still still fighters that within the division you have to deal with um, that are going to be forces there at 205. So you have to win to stay relevant. A loss here, it, it, it's it's pretty much, you know, back to the line. They'll be, you know, doing, being the third or fourth fight on a, a Fox Sports 1 card uh, for the loser. The winner's not, you know, the, the winner still stays in the conversation. The loser's out of it. So I'm going to go ahead and go over to share here. That's my official pick uh, for that. So really two of the guys, you know, two guys in the main and the co-main events are betting underdogs. If I had to place money on either one, you know, just just to put some money up to see if I can win anything, I would put money on Mendez over Phil Davis, although I think Phil Davis is um, maybe a, a closer bet. Um, I, I think uh, I think he's, uh, excuse me, I think Mendez is actually a closer bet. I think uh, Davis is more of a dog. 
So you could actually win more with Davis. But I, I honestly think Mendez has a better chance of the two uh, underdogs to actually win and win big. So official picks are Jose Aldo and Glover Sashira. But if you have to put money on the underdogs, I put money on Chad Mendez. I think he's a smart pick uh, for that, just kind of given his recent history. And then you look at the recent history of Jose Aldo to put those two together. I think that's smart money there. Um, really, only the card, only the fighters on the card that are kind of sort of interesting. Uh, Fabio Maldonado, uh, he fluctuates between heavyweight and light heavyweight. He's going to be taking on Hans Stinger. Uh, for Maldonado, he's he's kind of a company guy as far as it definitely when it comes to fights for UFC down in Brazil. Uh, he took a fight short notice against Seb Monic, moved at the heavyweight. I uh, tried his best, but just had no chance. Got laid out in that fight. Um, he pretty much gained his fame uh, fighting. Uh, actually fighting Glover Teixeira, and Glover Teixeira pretty much throwing everything humanly possible at him, and him still standing there. Uh, it actually got stopped via Dr. Stoppage uh, in the second round, but he took an absolute beating in that fight and still stood forward. So, um, you know, interesting fight there for him. So he's, um, you know, he's coming off of the loss of Step Monich. Actually, before that, he had won three fights in a row. So he looked a lot better after suffering three losses in a row in the UFC. So he's a company guy. They stick with him. They like him. He brings the fight. You know, win or lose, he's going to fight and fight hard. Uh, but I think they're actually setting him up for the easy win here. So I like his opportunity and his, uh, his chances there. So he'll probably pick up that victory there. Uh, Darren Elkin versus Lucas Martins. Um, I think I'm actually going to take Lucas Martins in that one. And really beyond that, the only other fights that are kind of sort of uh, interesting and have any field to them, Scott Jorgensen versus Wilson Reyes. Um, interesting fight in regards to the rankings and how that sets up there in the fly, uh, flyweight division. Uh, Jorgensen kind of seems to be a little bit reborn here over the course of the last year. He made his a flyweight debut here over a year ago. Didn't go so well losing his first two. Uh, but looked good against Danny Martinez and picked up a win. Um, but Wilson Reyes is a solid fighter. Uh, I'm going to go with Jurgensen on this one. You know, this is going to be the actual second fight at flyweight for Wilson Reyes. He's a solid fighter, but I'm going to go um, with Scott Jurgensen there. Uh, I think he's also – I think Jurgensen actually would be a good pick as well for uh, pretty kind of routine. I think he's actually going to get a lot of takedowns. I think this is one that's it's going to go to full five rounds. That's not excuse me, full three rounds. Uh, that won't end in a stoppage. Um, Neil Magny versus uh, William Mauricio. Hopefully I'm not saying that right. Now, for, for Magny, Magny's won a couple of fights from a row. Uh, he's actually on a four-fight win streak. Looks good. He's actually looked a lot better uh, since his USA, USC debut here last year. Uh, we struggled in his uh, first couple of fights, but he looked a lot better. Seems a lot calmer in these fights and getting work done while he's in there. I like his chances there. You know, for for Mauricio, you know, he won against Bobby Volker. He didn't have to take Bobby Volker to a de- uh, decision last year, and that was actually his last fight. Uh, it was almost a year ago, December 28th of last year. So he hasn't been able to fight much Um he dropped out of a fight he was going to be in um, earlier this year, but he dropped out of that. We don't know, if, you know, 
how healthy he really is at this point, but we shall see. I, I, I'm going to go with Magny there in regards to the this bout. I think Magny has a better chance and will look a little bit better. He's been showing a lot more growth and is just continually to grow and get better in each of these fights that he keeps having. So I'll take Neil Magny. I think he also will be a solid pick as well for your counter move team. I think, again, that's going to be somebody who's going to get more, a lot of strikes, a lot of takedowns. He's going to score you points. So I think he'd be a solid pick up there for your team, for your counter move squad. So those are my official picks. Uh, no, I didn't go down up and down the whole card. Quite honestly, it's not needed, <laughs> just to be honest. I kind of see how this card stacked up. Interesting to see what kind of pay-per-view numbers this does. You know, Jose Aldo is not really a huge, huge draw. And given the way he's performed here lately, I don't see this doing huge numbers, especially with being over in Brazil. And this is the kind of the time of the year for the UFC to where you, they kind of almost have to put on mega shows to kind of steal some attention in, in, in people's eyes because during these same time frames they're having these fight cards. This year, primetime college football on uh, people to focus on Sunday with the uh, NFL. So a lot of these fights, quite honestly, they fly into the radar. Really, once September 1st hits uh, until, you know, the second week of, of February, they are kind of playing second fiddle to football, uh, as bad as that sounds as far as garnering media attention and fans' interest because, you know, like I said, unless it's a mega fight, these things slip under the radar. People don't see them, don't notice them, forget they even are around. So, especially, you know, this time with this pay-per-view, it's been a couple of weeks lull in between UFC events. So that doesn't really help out the situation, but you know, they're kind of going to be back on their uh, grind again where they'll be doing shows almost every week. They will have a fight. Uh, their next fight after this one here this weekend will be on November 8th, so they'll have another couple-week cushion, but that's going to be a heck of a, a main event they'll have down in Australia. Uh, with uh, Luke Rocco versus Michael Bisping. So that, that goes down there. So that's going to be the next fight here after um, UFC 179 and then 180. Like I said, it's, it's it's starting to get cursed. It's a pretty good chance by the time we come on next week's show. We'll probably get another, energy, another injury and some more scrapping of that card. So we'll see what will happen with, um, with those fighters and that card here uh, this coming week. Um, for the UFC, so hopefully nobody else gets hurt. Now, speaking of, um, you know, guys getting called up and why we're talking about the UFC, uh, Walt Harris uh, of Titan FC is actually no longer of Titan FC. Now, Walt Harris is actually scheduled to fight uh, Dave Herman at um, Titan FC 32 come next month down in Georgia. Uh, well, instead, he ended up getting the opportunity, got called up and got a deal uh, back with the UFC. So he's now actually back in the UFC, and he's going to be fighting. Um, oh, man, I have to see what he's going to be fighting. But I know it's going to be, I want to say it's here next month on one of the um, one of the UFC cars. So he ended up uh, getting signed and brought back into the UFC. Um, you know, Titan is a, is a team of the word. You know, one thing they always say is they put the uh, fans, fighters first. You know, that's their big mantra, and they stand by that. You know, instead of holding him back as they're trying to plan for that next card and the next thing they're working on, uh, instead of them, you know, holding back and holding back talent, they give him the opportunity 
to actually go in and, and fight uh, for the UFC and, and you know, give him his, his chance. So he's going uh, to be fighting back in the, the UFC. So that caused a little bit of a, a rift there with their card. Well, 48 hours later, they got the card situated. Titan FC 32 is now going to be headlined by John Madsen versus Dave Herman for the heavyweight championship for Titan FC. So, you know, a little bit of, you know, a little bit of um, altering, no big deal for them. They find a very capable fighter in uh, John Madsen to take on Dave Herman for that. Now, this fight was actually Herman versus um, Ball Harris is actually supposed to happen here at the last Titan card. And, and some things happened with that. So, Dustin disguise that fight ended up getting canceled and getting restructured here in November. He ended up getting, you know, Walt Harrison's and getting calls to the UFC. Um, but this seems like this happens anymore with a lot of the cards here for Titan FC. Injuries happen to the UFC. They have the UFC out in their contracts. You know, they work it out. Instead of them, you know, being upset and telling the fighters no, they give these guys an opportunity to go chase their dream and go fight uh, in the UFC. So, Definitely, um, like I said, more information on the Titan FC 32 as that happens here um, next month. But that is one card alteration for them. But no good deal. Good for Walt Harris. Uh, good for all, all parties involved now. You know, he gets his opportunity in the UFC. But more importantly, John Madsen now gets an opportunity in Titan. So, uh, you know, one guy steps up, another guy gets an opportunity as well. So it's just keeps going forward. Uh, for all parties involved. So big, big ups and big shout out to uh, Titan FC for that. Uh, next week's show. No, don't know who we're going to have on next week's show, quite honestly, but I can tell you what we will have on next week's show. It's coming back, folks. It's that time. Yes, it'll be time for a new pound for pound rating list. Now, some of our fighters have fought since our last pound for pound list. Some of our fighters haven't fought. Just the last pound for pound list. And with that being stated, the pound for pound list is going to have a shift and a major riff in it. I'm going to point that out now. I'm probably going to get rid of the coals once I post this, once I read this on air next week. But it, it can definitely have some movement in it. Um, just kind of recap, you know, just kind of give you a fair warning of the list of high rev when we did the last list here on July 17th. It went as followed. At number 10, Justin Gaethje at the World Series of Fighting, uh, their current lightweight champion. He was in at number 10. Chris Cyborg was in at number 9, uh, the Invicta featherweight champion. Now could be moving down to 135. We just don't know when. She was at 9. Anthony Pettis was at 8, current lightweight champion for the UFC. Daniel Cormier, number 7, number 1 light heavyweight champion contender. Uh, number 6, it was uh, number six is Chris Weedman, middleweight champion. Number five, Jose Aldo, current featherweight champion. He'll be fighting here this weekend, so his his spot in the lineup could change. Kane Velasquez, UFC heavyweight champion, he was in at four. Ronda Rousey, bantamweight champion, in at number three. Uh, Demetrius Johnson, dominant uh, flyweight champion, uh, he was in at number two. And number one was John Jones. So John Jones, I, I can pretty much tell you, he's still going to be number one. But the other nine slots could shift and could shift dramatically. So we will see what goes on and how all that happens. But next week's show, we'll have a new top ten pound for pound here on Punch of the Face Radio. So I will definitely be sending out tweets throughout the course of the week and over the weekend and even the early part of next week to get people's uh, opinions on who should rank where, where they think 
Um, I I should look at certain fighters. Um, I think I had even a couple of honorable mentions. Um, I think, let's see, the honorable mentions I had was really, I I haven't had T.J. Dillashaw on the list. So T.J. Dillashaw was uh, was an honorable mention on the list. Um, And I think Renan Burrell was still on the outside of the list because he had dropped his fight to T.J. Dillashaw and lost his belt. So we shall see who ranks where. But, again, that's going to be on next week's show. Uh, So we will have a lot to debate come that time. And as well, we'll give a recap of UFC 179 um, uh, preview, Titan FC 31, and also keep going down. So it's really just going to be those two cards to talk about. Bellator will recap here. Those will 130. They'll actually have a couple of weeks in between their next card. So lightly, but it's going to be mainly about the new top 10 pound-for-pound list. So um, really that is all we got here for this week. Again, we appreciate our guest Desmond Green and Cody Fister of Titan FC joining us here this evening and talking about their upcoming bouts and what's been going on in their careers and um, the ups and downs. Uh, but we do appreciate them taking our time here with us. Um, as always, man, everybody be safe, be blessed. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, punch underscore the number two, the face. Uh, send your emails to me uh, in regards to any questions you have in regards to MMA at brandon at punchtheface.com. And as always, make sure you follow uh, Bad Culture uh, on Twitter. Uh, that is the Bad Culture or uh, badculture.net as well. Uh, you'll catch my work, all of our boxing work, and all the other ins and outs in the world of sport and pop culture there. And as well, I definitely want your feedback. It's the knockout of the month on my site, punchtotheface.com. That's punchtotheface.com. Uh, we got video up. We've got animated photos up. Uh, definitely let me know who you think should be uh, knockout of the month. You can also read the pathetic suicide letter from uh, John Copenhaver, a.k.a. War Machine, who's a failure in life. He felt a suicide last week. Yeah, I know. Sounds mean for me to say that, but he's a failure. But you can actually read his full suicide letter right now on punchtotheface.com. So until next Wednesday, everybody be safe, be blessed. Same time next week, I am out. Due to some violent content, parental discretion is advised. Want to be a monument to physical perfection? You want to be a shrine? You should be. You want to change, right? Oh, you gotta change it. That's anything. Is that what you want? Is that what you want? I, I don't wanna be famous. Uh, I just wanna be rich. 40 mil with some makers. Uh, Make up for my bitch. I don't fuck with these niggas. Uh, stop pretending this shit. I don't wanna be famous. Nah, I just wanna be rich. I don't wanna be famous. Fuck around, be your linen in the family, your brainless All in the paper, getting buried by a neighbor While your relatives spending all the money that you gave him Fuck it, don't save him Let the boy drown if he don't flow Guess he wasn't made for it I'm a nigga, hold it, hold it down Listening to underground Popping up because these niggas wanna bring me down Put your face in the dirt like fuck down Niggas want that, but we don't never fail I'm laying low in my day clothes can't get a fucking meal, put a loco without taking photos. Man, these little crazy niggas, I don't wanna be famous. Uh, I just wanna be rich. 40 mil with some makers. Uh, make up for my bitch. I don't fuck with these niggas. Uh, stop pretending it.